Hi, my name is Colin and welcome to the fourth episode of Deep End Life After Uni. Today I have Andrew Tang Smith with me today, who is an associate principal at Woods Bagot, which is an architecture firm. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. So Andrew, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, as Colin said, um, I work at Woods, Woods Bagot, which is an architecture firm. We are, um, you know, we're a global firm. It's, uh, it's about 900 people across the whole, whole world and we span over a number of different studios across di- different regions. Um, so I, obviously, you know, architect by trade, went to do five years of architecture here at, uh, at Coding University. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, amazing. I mean, I've always wanted to be an architect. I always, you know, wanted to, it's kind of my life's calling. And um, in, in a sense, to me, um, you know, it was always one of those things where, you know, when I was a young kid, yeah, I uh, I would sit down and, you know, watch my dad. So he is an interior designer. He's an mm-hmm. interior architect. What used to watch him sketch things and yeah. just you know kind of almost see it just appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And you just see that the imagination was really captured on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And so watching him, you know, sketch those things just made me want to be, you know, what he wanted to do as well. It just looks it just looked fun to do, you know. Yeah. 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 So how long have you been an architect for? Um, I've been a practicing architect for nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I mean practicing architect, you know, in terms of coming out of uni and working for a practice, um, mm-hmm. obviously it took about two years to get registered. So as architects, we have to get yeah, registered. Yeah, so very much like the, you know, chartered accountants or doctors, yeah. we actually yeah. have to get uh, get registered. Um, and that t- usually takes about two or three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a number of exams and all things. Oh, so you still have to do exams. Yeah, you have to go back and study. Which <laughs> go remember. back and study. <laughs> yeah. So what do these exams consist of? Like, oh, I mean, do? yeah, it's in three parts. So, yeah. you know, um, whoever will want to take one of these exams that would know exactly what it needs. But um, usually the first part is, you know, basically a logbook of hours. So making sure that you actually um, meet some of the hours in terms of fitting to a number of criteria that yeah. the AIA, which is the Architect Institute, um, you know, put together. Um, and then the second part is essentially a written exam and the third part's interview. Right. Yeah. So, okay. And just for all the listeners out there, could you please give us a rundown on what architecture actually is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, architecture is a, it's a very old art, ancient art form, um, you know, kind of all the way back in the first times when we were cavemen, you know, how do we actually start to, you know, create dwellings for ourselves and put a sh- roof over our head? Yeah. So that as a that as an art form, you know, obviously went through, an, you know, many, many millennia of history and developed into basically what we know know now. Um, architecture essentially is how we create space. You know, as an architect, we are we are masters of space itself. Mm-hmm you know, the three-dimensional space, yeah. the space that we experience, um, but also built form in terms of how buildings contribute to the cityscape, yeah. how buildings contribute to the streets and give life to the streets, mm-hmm. uh, and how does it actually interact with its people, the people who use it. So architecture is about shaping all of that. Yep. Uh, okay. So you talked about Woods Bagot earlier. So you started off uh, as a graduate straight in yes and yeah. you've been there for the last nine years could you tell us about your current role and I guess your journey from when you were a graduate till now yeah sure sure I mean even taking a little bit step back before that you know I wasn't a graduate when I first oh, okay. came yeah, yeah so um, when I was uh, when I was due back in uni back at Curtin um, there was a call out for an internship um, at Woods Baggett, but it was actually part of a whole Australia Chamber of Commerce um, 
scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, doing my dissertation at the time in the fifth year of uni, and you know, we all have to do a thesis as part of our final year. Yeah. And just, you know, in, in the resource center looking, I go, oh, that's a great, you know, that's a great flyer. You know, I want to be involved in that. And it was actually to have a scholarship within China. So it was a scholarship within China uh, run by the Australian Chamber of Commerce government. So it's very similar to something like the Rhodes Scholar mm-hmm. in, in the US. Um, and, you know, it's kind of looked after by the government. So you're paid to go there. And so I saw that. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and apply for it. You know, yeah. I, I speak Chinese. You yeah. know, they, they did have architecture as one of the many industries that it was part of. And yeah. it was over, I think it was over about 20 industries, spanned between mining, finances, you know, medical, architecture was one mm-hmm. of them. And they only were to choose two out of the whole nationwide that were going to go into architecture and, and be lined up with a, an actual um, architecture firm over in China. Yeah. Right. And it was, um, it was quite interesting because I went through a, a really long process and there was, you know, questionnaires, interviews, portfolios, all of those things. But out of, I think it was about 127 candidates um, within just WA itself, mm-hmm. I got picked as just the one. I was the mm-hmm. only one from WA. Mm-hmm. The other one in architecture was from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we basically both got embedded within, as an internship within Woods Bagot in mm-hmm. Beijing. So Woods Bagot has a has an office in Beijing as well. Mm-hmm. So it was the first year out, essentially, as an intern. Yeah. Yeah. And just, boy, it was like the, the craziest year of my life. So it was yeah. a whole year internship. Yeah, it was a whole year internship. Wow. You got paid, but yeah. um, it was more about the experience. It yeah, was more about, you know, actually working in a high, like a high paced culture yeah. in China. China at the time was really booming. So yeah. obviously my background is Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was great to actually work and embed myself back within Beijing's culture because I actually was born in Beijing. Yeah. So to come back and not have been in China, not have been in Beijing for like, you know, 20 years or yeah. so, to come back and actually work there was an amazing experience. And that's what drew me over there to yeah. also be able to spend time with my dad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first year of China was amazing because it was massive projects. China at the time was going through a huge transformation as it is going now, but at the time it was a lot more receptive of, um, I guess you could say international uh, designers, yeah. yet international expertise, because mm-hmm. at that time they were really learning from you know, kind of the, the international designers that were coming into, mm-hmm. into there. So that's what, what I was there to do. And um, it was amazing because we were working on city shaping projects, mm-hmm. massive master plans, huge tall towers, really yeah. big scale stuff that you can almost be like, wow, like we're almost kind of creating a city from scratch. Yeah. So we were planning roads, you know, working with the civil engineers, working with, you know, structural engineers on some of these massive towers that we were doing. Mm. But at the same time, I really got a good sense that it was fast paced, but also at the same time, it was like, wow, it's too fast paced. Like how can you mm. actually create a city in the that span quick? of a couple yeah. of weeks, yeah. you know? You know, it's not natural. It didn't feel organic, yeah. right? But yet, that those were the kind of briefs that we were given. So it was a really good sense that, wow, like, do I actually want to keep doing this for another year, mm. or do I actually want to come back to Perth, to mm-hmm. Australia, yeah. and actually learn how things are actually done in yeah. in a way that's you know that I would be more receptive of, you know, yeah. um, because you'd almost kind of glance through certain components of design yeah. and get more in depth with other things, but you'd, it was very just kind of surface on the surface, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more superficial lacked a lot of depth in yeah. terms of that so I did a year of Beijing and actually at the same time really enjoy myself because it was a lot of partying you know yeah. as you imagine young, young guy <laughs> yeah. coming out yeah. 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 <laughs> 20, I think I was about 24 at the time coming yeah. out and really just yeah it was amazing like they had a really good 
just life work life kind of work hard play hard mm-hmm. it was it definitely wasn't a good work life balance it was more of a work hard and then you go out in the night and you just party until like 1am and <laughs> you go home. yeah you go home. Yeah. yeah so it was that kind of thing it was really enjoyable because for me it was more about the culture yeah immersing myself back within the culture and yeah. just meeting great people yeah and, and can you know meeting great networks mm. um maybe one thing i can touch on as well is that uh through that experience, I actually got to meet some of our global leaders, mm-hmm. you know, the global design leader who became the CEO of the company, um, got to meet a lot of the really amazing regional leadership that mm-hmm. we had because everyone was flying in from America yeah. and from Australia because China was actually just this one big melting pot that was giving so much to the rest of the region. Mm-hmm. and. Because it was in such a state of growth, I got to meet with some of these really hotshot designers that were coming in, you know, from overseas, yeah. you know, from parts of America, etc. Yeah. And actually really get to know them because they saw me as something quite different and leveraged my skills in that sense that they were like, oh, you know, this guy's Australian, you know, mm. like, you know, he'd be like, oh, you know, they, I, I used, to, used to have a couple of books on my shelf. Mm-hmm. So some guy would come around, you know, one of the kind of global leaders, designers who come around and be like, hey, mate, you know, like like this book what you're looking at and i was like, oh yeah it's not it's not too bad you know i was like you know <laughs> yeah. speaking my fairly australian accent and he was yeah. like oh this guy's australian like he like told the other you know directors yeah. that were in yeah. and then they all come out of the boardroom they're like oh yeah you're australian like, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was kind of like it's 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 it was kind of cool because for me what the unique thing that i brought to that studio was that um i was a, i was an australian who spoke chinese mm-hmm. and understood their culture but at the same time understand you know kind of the both both sides yeah and therefore they wanted me on their projects because i was able to kind of communicate with them actually you know be the kind of conduit yeah and so there was obviously a disconnect between some of these flying from overseas and Mm. the kind of locals i really was that conduit Mm. so leveraging that and just you know being being a good person um learning as much as i can Mm -hmm. and trying to give as much as i can and working hard um they obviously saw something in that yeah and so when i was you know decided to not stay they did offer me to stay longer but when i thought you know i come back to australia mm. um they were like oh you know gotta look after this guy so yeah. they made sure that the australian um the perth uh, studio leader mm-hmm. at the time um you know had a lot you know like had a lot of feedback from me yeah. about me so when i came in they were like oh this guy's a superstar <laughs> i was like okay hang on let me prove myself yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah stop saying that um but yeah there was it just had a lot of backing so that's really important you know that kind of internal network that you form within the, the business form mm-hmm. within the company um also outside as well yeah. is extremely important yeah definitely so you went as an intern but had you already graduated uni already yeah so i'd already graduated yeah but it was because it was part of an internship scholarship program yeah you were brought in as an intern okay yeah, yeah. and then i was just like oh well I kind of, backwards. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of not, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like it just kind of went through this pres- like prestigious, in, you know, inverted commas um, yeah. uh, process. And you, th- you know, you kind of selected, shortlisted out to be one of the best, but then you're coming as an intern. It doesn't make sense, right? Mm. But it's a bit, it's, it's, it's a proper program. So if anything, it was an internship as a, it was a graduate internship, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it yeah, wasn't yeah. an undergraduate. Okay, internship. yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So yeah. that was part of the prerequisites, yeah. Yeah, so you, after the internship, you joined as a graduate? So after the internship, I pretty much came back into Perth and, yep, you know, as a graduate. And a graduate in architecture could be anywhere between, you know, zero years, one year to three years, mm-hmm. um, up, even up to five years. You could still be known as a graduate. Yep. So I was thinking, yeah, I'm, you know, coming in back to Perth as a, as a graduate because it's my second year. Yep. Um, there's a lot to learn. You know, I'll, they, they had just won 
the Perth International Airport's upgrade for the Virgin Terminal. So, you know, the Virgin so, Peel. Oh, I don't know about it. Um, if you ever take T1 yeah. Yeah, and go to Flyover East and you take Virgin, mm-hmm. there's this kind of new looking pier that extends out onto the airport. Yeah, it's quite nice. a beautiful yeah. one. It kind of yeah. looks like this, you know, futuristic looking, yeah. looking airport, part of the airport. Um, so that was my first project when I came back. Yeah. Um, it was to work with the team. We had just won it. Um, it had gone through initial concept design mm-hmm. and I was coming at schematic design and you know for me it was really just learning almost learning everything from scratch in terms of yeah just how to design toilets for you know <laughs> for, for you know Australian compliant toilets how yeah. to distru- design Australian compliant stairs mm-hmm. because it was all about those compliant you know what's compliant here but at mm-hmm. the same time how do you do it you know how do you actually work through with the consultants and mm-hmm. the engineers in a much more finer Finer detail, wow. which is what we didn't get in China. Yeah. It was very kind of big picture, high level mm-hmm. stuff, which I enjoyed. Yeah, but you really need to kind of get yourself in the technical, detailed, mm-hmm. more deeper kind yeah. of processes. Yeah, within the design. So, in the last nine years at Woods Bagot, have you had any other opportunities to go international? Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, from there to where I'm now, mm. it's been quite a ride, because for me, it was. It was um, even trying to think of where to start, but um, got to so you know, like you said, got to go to Dubai for a little while. Yep. So there was an opportunity in Dubai. Got to work in Dubai for a while. Got to go back to China for a second time and do mm-hmm. another stint there. I've done work in a bit of work in um, KL and Singapore yeah. as well. Yeah. So I went to Singapore, and also even you know took a bit of time. You know, went to San Francisco and met some of the directors there and had mm-hmm. a look around and stuff as well. But also did a lot of time in you know Melbourne and Brisbane as well. Mm-hmm. So, I guess what's really good is amazing opportunities in terms of you know just traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, you almost don't feel like you're stuck in one place at all. You're literally you know always given the opportunity to go around. It's very dynamic in yep. terms of the career. For me, I started off in the role of working from a graduate up. Yeah, it was really around just kind of showing more initiative mm. and understanding more of the projects so that you can actually work to become a project leader. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after a while I became a project leader, um, got registered, I was a project architect, got given the opportunity to be a design architect and design mm-hmm. leader, and basically now one of the design leaders at, at Woodsbagger in associate principal, yeah. So all these different roles, what are the actual differences between them? So a project architect generally ta- runs the project. Okay. Right. And so the project could be anywhere in the design in the design phase, but generally a project architect starts with the beginning Mm -hmm. and runs it all the way to the end. Yeah. And they will be the one that's kind of your day day to day contact. Mm -hmm. The client's day they could be the client's day to day contact depending on the scale of the project. But they could be also they're the ones who are managing and coordinating with the consultants, Mm -hmm. the engineering teams, Mm -hmm. and the other consultants as part of the broader broader team yeah so they're the ones who want to see it all the way to the end get on site all Uh those things so you get a really wide breadth experience they're Uh really important they're the backbone of you know of the project yeah yeah so that's a project architect a design architect generally has more of a design vision as part of their kind of i guess recipe of who they are Uh and so therefore they could be the ones that come in and really ensure design and they'll be the ones who come in and just you know maybe set up the design vision so they'll actually set up the design vision of this project what's the concept mm-hmm. you know what are the narratives yeah you know what are the kind of constraints and what are we trying to actually reach to as a goal so you're setting the direct direction of the design and then they basically work with the project architects along the way to 
ensure the design quality is met and the design always kind of adheres to the integrity of what the original idea is as well. Yeah. Yeah. So within Woodsback, because it's a bigger firm and you're doing bigger projects, those two roles kind of form and they work kind of in parallel. Sometimes it could be the same person, but it all depends on the project. Yeah. And the scale of the project. Yeah. 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 Um, so from my point of view, I kind of, in my current role as a design leader, is basically driving that and driving those projects. And it doesn't mean I design everything. It means mm. that you're actually pulling in people and you're collaborating and you want others to put their input in so you're actually facilitating the design process. Yeah. But at the same time, you're the one that makes the ultimate decision on where it's going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's the kind of classic, you know, butter, butter sketch, butter paper, getting yeah. the pens out and just drawing and yeah. coming up with ideas, yeah. And working with the, you know, with the project team, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, in all these places you've visited and with all the roles that you've been in, what has been the, I guess, most exciting project that you've been a part of? I mean, all, there's a lot of exciting projects. There's been so many exciting projects, but yeah. maybe one that was really quite an interesting one was um, probably, it was a 78-storey tower in Dubai. 78 yeah so you're looking at about 300 meters high it yep. was yeah it's a mixed-use tower mm -hmm. so when you talk about a city it's yeah. kind of a city within a tower mm -hmm. it's got lots of different uses it's got a hotel it's got residential it's got commercial it's all happening within like shops yeah, everything, shops everything okay. it's all in one tower wow. you know um this was actually part of a twin tower configuration so there was mm -hmm. office to one tower and the rest of it in the other um and it was in dubai and it was exciting because it was just a little bit crazy, a little bit chaotic. Yeah. yeah, there was so many things that you were learning at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was such a complex project. And I think it was challenging, you know, extremely yeah, challenging, challenging to the team. And we got to fly over to Dubai, you yeah. know. So it was, it was a great project, yeah. But um, again, it's one of those things where there was so much, like, because it started off being a competition as well. Mm -hmm. So we won the competition against two other world-renowned, uh, extremely well-known architects, Zaha Hadid and... Uh, fosters yeah so we won that competition so it was like wow this is amazing for us you know so I was part of that in the early stage with okay. the winning of the competition and then basically we ran it through until a point in time where we actually hit a bit of a economic issue mm -hmm. with with funding yeah yeah so the the, the, um, the client had hit a bit of that and so therefore the project was put on hold and yeah. it's kind of you know that's like okay well that's that's the that's the end of that for now yeah, yeah. But it could come back in the next. Oh, so it's still at the end of the yeah, yeah, it's still it's still on hold. So a lot of these big projects do do have a lot of these other factors and, mm. and, and forces that push and pull at it. Yeah. And so sometimes these projects could take, you know, five to ten years to actually even get off the ground. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what what big projects have you worked on in Perth? The so again, it's it's probably another project that people might have heard about, but hasn't been built. So yeah. the, the biggest project I would have done here is um, the World Trade Center Tower in Perth. So that was actually in the news back in two thousand and trying to remember back in two thousand and seventeen. Started off in two thousand seventeen. World Trade Center. Yeah, World Trade Center in Perth. So it was on the, yeah it was on the papers and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, again, I, think I, was, I did see the paper yeah, you posted yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, what? Like we need a World Trade Center in Perth that doesn't make sense yeah. but to understand where the client came from the client was a Jordanian billionaire yeah. who had his kids grow up in Perth and really wanted to invest in Perth put a lot in Perth um, and again it was one of those projects where you know we went through um, a consultation process with the government and mm -hmm. it was an unsolicited bid um, and it involved a lot of kind of I guess you could say political um, Involvement. components involvements yeah. as well and 
with the change of government from you know at the time Colin Barnett to Mark McGowan, there was obviously yeah um, a, a shift in the in the direction because the site sat very next to very close to a, a future Metronet site. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is what's happening right now. Which is what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah, which is extremely important as well. So yeah. you know. I think it's one of those things where just these things happen with the project and we just as architects have to understand that there's a whole um you know economic political and you know social force that kind of governs yeah. these projects all these external factors yeah all these external yeah. factors so you, you do what you can to to make it the best mm. at the time for that particular client for that yeah. particular brief for the city at the time yeah yeah and and conditions change and that's completely fine and we have to adapt to that yeah so that project's not Going forward, so right? I don't I don't think it is yeah and yeah. I don't think because it's, it's right next to Metro Metro correct yeah, correct but that's okay yeah. you know but that's completely okay you know we've got a number of other projects in the office right now which yeah. are amazing and really fun mm. um, and they are going ahead yeah. you know and um, yeah that's that's what's keeping me busy nowadays which yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah what projects have been completed in yeah that yep. you were involved in? I mean you know I guess the apart from the airport um, you know one of one of my little pride and joys is the Palace Hotel it's the heritage building where our office is at. No, at nice, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful heritage building. One of the early gold rush buildings in kind of 1890s, that period. Is that the Mid and Wineco area? Uh, yes, the Mid and Wineco area. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, it. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it used to be a hotel. It used to be the, the hotel. It used yeah. to be the place where all the businesses were being done in Perth. Yeah. And over time, obviously, Bankwest used it as its own main city branch. Mm-hmm. And as Bankwest moved out, we were asked to come in and, and actually have a look at it. Mm-hmm. And we thought this would be amazing to actually be a boutique office upstairs with mm-hmm. food and beverage and really opening it back up to the public and getting just permeability through it so that you can actually connect into the building from both front and back. So at the back, there's a cafe. Yeah. At the front, there's obviously Mina Wine Co. And there's, um, we've got a really nice club space upstairs in the mezzanine as well. So there's actually this kind of social heart that the boutique offices up above connect down into mm-hmm. there's like you know table tennis and you know oh, kitchen nice. and all of that's a bit of yeah. a function space for yeah. functions so we we love being in there and it's a great project because we didn't know we were moving in when i was working on it i was the i was the lead design architect and the lead project architect so i was playing that dual role yeah, that both. i was talking about yeah. yeah and it was amazing because yeah like its heritage has got so much history mm. and when you complete it once it's been complete there's so much complexities with heritage buildings as well yeah. But once it's complete, you get all these great stories from the public who come back, you know, and they come back for like Heritage Day or they come back for Open House mm. and you get, you know, some like lovely old grannies who come through yeah. and they're like, oh, I got married here or, oh, you know, wow. I remember, you know, I remember this place. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's got a lot of stories to tell. Mm. Uh, and from our point of view, it was about how do we actually tell those stories again? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a beautiful project. Um, right now, working on some amazing stuff. There's some really nice luxury apartments in South Perth called mm-hmm. the Terraces. Mm-hmm. Um, again, really beautiful, really nice scale, really great dedication from the client to design quality. Yeah. But also at the same time, uh, we've got Port Helen Airport up in Port Helen. Nice. Which is really cool. Yeah. And again, it's getting an upgrade. Yeah, right? getting an upgrade, yeah. getting a bit of upgrade for all the, you know, all the fly out there. And at the same time, we've got a major mixed use project in the city opposite the arena called uh, Wellington Place. So mm-hmm. it's got, it's basically a, you know, it's got a residential tower and a commercial tower and a whole lot of retail and kind of network of laneways down below. Yeah. Um, and then another one that I've just working on at the moment is Mill Street Tower, which is on Mill Street in the city, in the, in the CBD. Mm-hmm. Again, it's actually a whole precinct regeneration project where we're actually not looking just at a new commercial tower, a workplace tower, but it's how does that new tower become a catalyst for the rest of the precinct? There are two existing buildings. 
how do we actually do this amazing pre-signal, um, uh, I guess, upgrade, mm -hmm. rejuvenation. So yeah, there's a lot going on in the city. I'm always kind of seeing a couple of years ahead in terms of what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for them to happen, it takes a lot of uh, planets to align, yeah, right? As you can definitely. imagine. But it's good, you know, just part of making the city better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and going back to the Port Hedland Airport that yeah. you're planning on upgrading. So is the Qantas Lounge getting an upgrade as well? Because that wasn't very great. You went up there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so look, there's a lot of upgrades happening as part of that particular upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely going to be a lounge upgrade. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a new food and beverage cafe as well there. Wow. There's going to be, you know, it's it's there's what I can talk about right now is what's probably shown in the papers. There's stuff that there's other stuff that's happening yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. In, in the process. A bit more private, hey. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. It's, it's just kind of stuff that we want to make sure that the clients obviously making sure that there's commercial deals being done so mm -hmm. we can only talk about so, so much yeah um but yes there's going to be some really good upgrades you guys are going to love it so <laughs> <laughs> all the five fair people up there poor heaven's going to be great hey? yeah yeah You're flying up there oh, we hope so up. we hope and that, i will, yeah, will. definitely will yeah <laughs> so because you're already leading projects as a pro yeah. project, project project leader or yeah, design project, yeah. yeah and then you've got the design mm -hmm. lead part as mm -hmm. well so what does an associate principal actually do really good question um look i mean associate principal i guess you know it kind of well if i start with architecture in, in our firm in our company and some, some certain companies are different right yep. certain architecture companies are different and how they kind of put titles to these things but in an architecture firm like with Spagger, it's you know graduate designer associate senior associate much like a law firm mm -hmm. associate principal very similar to associate director in other companies yeah. um, but it's essentially like a principal so when in prince a principal is essentially the first line of shareholding like yeah. you can be a shareholder like a partner yeah. so associate principal is essentially like an associate partner like <laughs> yeah. A, yeah provisional partner yeah so in terms of our responsibility it is very much similar to a partner mm -hmm. but you're just not a shareholding partner yet yeah and from my point of view it's about you know it's a little bit about bringing work in yeah um so, you know, obviously there's business development side of things and having, making sure that we're connecting with new clients and mm -hmm. making sure that we're fostering really good client relationships and looking after them. Yeah. It's also about looking after the studio and the people, culture as well of, of the studio. So working with the other leaders of the studio to yeah, strategize and, you know, understand what our people need, what our teams need. Yeah. So working at that kind of high level strategy component so uh -huh. there's a bit of business planning as well we do yeah. we do a yearly business planning um, I sit on the exec which is the executive we have a Monday meeting every single Monday to basically yeah. talk around a, a whole suite of things uh, relating to clients what's happening in the market projects that are really important in our studio that need some attention like prioritization, prioritization yeah. um, and resourcing um, all kind of happens at that studio level yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, at the same time you know I have other responsibilities in terms of connecting with other studios from a design point of view mm -hmm. and really kind of getting design ideas together and learning what other studios are doing around the world and disseminating that through our studio yeah um, I, I have a focus around some of those you know kind of I guess you could say fostering design culture so mm -hmm. putting pin up you know getting pin things pinned up um, and actually facilitating you know, design discourse Within, yep. the, within the studio so those are some of my responsibilities and yeah that kind of extends beyond you know the day-to-day -day project responsibilities yeah okay yeah. so it's just more responsibilities yeah it's right? just more responsibilities <laughs> but at the same time you just get a like it's good because then you, you get a more um overarching sense of what how everything's run. put together and yeah. run yeah. yeah so from my point of view it's more of a learning mm -hmm. learning thing 
Um, so you're kind of learning as you go. Yeah. yeah. You don't get taught this in uni. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you don't really get taught much. No, nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So when was your last travel experience? Um, and where, where was that? Yeah, it was to, it was to Singapore. Okay. So we had a Singapore client, which is the one, the one that I was talking about opposite the arena, mm-hmm. um, the mixed use project. Yeah. So it was a Singapore client and went to, yeah, it was really great to go to Singapore and meet our Singapore colleagues over yeah. there and work with them. Obviously, they were looking after the clients and we were, you know, the project was in Perth. Yeah. So I kind of brought the Perth side of things, you know, the local, mm-hmm. the local knowledge. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I was design leading one of the two towers. Um, so I had to present that as well to the client. Oh, um, but yeah, it's good. It's like, I love these trips, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like you go there, you get to stay at a nice, a nice hotel. And, you know, <laughs> a little holiday. Yeah, a bit of a holiday. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, even if it's for two days or yeah. three days. Yeah. yeah. You know, just go see somewhere different um, and yeah, take it in really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long can one of these stints go for? Because I know your internship in Beijing was one year, but on average, how long? Are you actually there for? Yeah, it depends on the project, right? It depends yeah. on the the projects in need, but it could any it could range from anywhere between a couple of days, as in just come in because you know I had so much responsibilities back in Perth, I couldn't just come in for two or three weeks. Yeah, um, to Singapore, so Singapore is really like two or three days, mm-hmm. and then come back to Perth because there's a lot going on in Perth. But usually the nice ones that you really enjoy yeah. are kind of two weeks, yeah, yeah three weeks. You know, so not too far, not too long. Yeah, you, well, you want to be for you know long yeah. enough to actually get to know a new studio <laughs> yeah. and get to know the people, and you're really about meeting other people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I encourage. You know, those take up those opportunities. Yeah. Um, so and and at the same time, it's great because you actually get embedded within that project. You know, you're not just kind of running the project elsewhere. You're coming in and you're meeting the team and you're knowing the the team mm-hmm. on ground there. Yeah. Um, and going out for drinks with them and just you know getting to know them as people. You mm-hmm. know, super important. So. So that's what's really great about that, those kind of times. If you end up going for two or three months or go for six months, you know, then you're really kind of embedding yourself within yeah. the culture and you're really you know, kind of immersing yourself within it. Um, those are really enjoyable as well. But obviously you have to be prepared. Like I had to be prepared, you know, I had to tell my wife, you know, mm. and work it with her when she was going to come over and spend yeah. some time, you know, yeah. all those things, right? It t- takes a lot more preparation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, well, you stated earlier that architecture was your number one choice you always knew you were going to go into architecture was there a second choice what was your backup if you say you went in and you actually didn't enjoy architecture Mm, good question um it's it's quite funny because for me i always knew i wanted to do something design related yeah right so um you know i had a had a artistic bit of an artistic bone Mm -hmm. back in school Mm -hmm. um kind of uh, you know, it, it really showed in terms of what is, what made me energize. Anything to do with art or technical drawing always made me really energized back in school. Um, I was good with maths and all of that as well, but mm-hmm. this kind of stuff really drove me. Yeah. And so, you know, whether it was going to be another kind of design field, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed it very much. It could yeah. have been industrial design. It could yeah. have been web design. It mm-hmm. could have been, you know. Um, graphic design mm-hmm. um, I still did some of that you know as kind of on the side and mm-hmm. just getting to know what it was like mm-hmm. but to me I think architecture just brought a sense of holes, holisticness to me yeah. it's, you know the artist they always say the architect is kind of the ultimate generalist yeah. in terms of within the field of design mm-hmm. so for me I just wanted to get a more wholesome um, feel and yeah for me space was something that I, I just enjoyed I understood yeah. space really well yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the perception of you know how to manipulate it or how to you know, make it 
you know make it work for people yeah yeah i didn't oh. get, i didn't get into architecture by the way oh really yeah i didn't i didn't actually get into architecture um from high school so it's one of those things where if i was to go back to my high school days and talk about my high school days um i peaked too soon yeah so year eight and nine and ten did really well got to year 10 got straight a's yeah. what, a, what a nerd right got straight a's yeah and then year 11 year 12 i actually let myself go because i I don't know, like I was trying to think about it the other day. I was like, oh, you know, it's because I actually got a bit bored of high school. And mm-hmm. I, at that point, I already knew I wanted to do architecture. Mm-hmm. And so if someone put me into architecture then, I would have just enjoyed it yeah. a lot more. So I did really well in my technical design um, and art subjects. Mm-hmm. But everything else started to fall, kind of get, you know, yeah, yeah let go. Yeah. Right? Like physics and all that still did really well, applicable maths. Um, especially geomot, ge- you know, GNT. You know, back oh. then it was called geometry and trigonometry. Back then, oh, was a whole subject yeah, called it was that. A, yeah, it was a whole subject <laughs> called that back in year eleven, right? Yeah. And so, like, did extremely well in that because mm. I was like, yeah, okay, well, like these things that relate to architecture, I just do extremely well in, and mm. I apply myself to really yeah. well in. Everything else just kind of like, nah, it, like you know, didn't didn't really um, relate anymore, have relevance. And I think that's where, to me, the school system. You know, it's still obviously very generalized, and you, you know, yeah, it's they, generalized yeah. around the maths, the and physics, yeah. And all that. yeah. But then, if you're kind of more artistic or whatever, you know, like obviously those subjects you do well on, but then, you know, they're not the majority of the, you know, the ATAR or the TE yeah. subjects. So, yeah. my ATAR score mm. was just enough for me to get into, luckily, interior architecture at yeah. Curtin. Yeah, architecture was needed a little bit more from that. Also, oh, interior architecture and architecture are different. Yeah, so they're different. Because interior architecture just focuses it around inside. interior. Yeah. yeah, architecture is both outside and inside, but yeah. it's a bit different in terms of the approach to interior mm. as well. So Sorry, is that the same thing as like interior design? It's, simil- it's similar. So they're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> they're all the same in a way. So interior design, I won't, I won't try and break it down in terms of yeah. giving definition to them, yeah. but interior design, interior architecture and architecture they're all part of the same family in mm-hmm. terms of manipulating space and, and and understanding what people need yeah and some do it better than others mm-hmm. right interior designers actually understand how people use this kind of more micro scale stuff better than architects do yeah. because for them the height of a table mm. you know how to use the door handles all those things the, the softness of a finish mm. that stuff that you actually relate to mm. a lot more directly as a human being yeah is actually what interiors are all about. Yeah. They, they deal with that all the yeah. time. But when it comes to big city shaping projects or even when it comes to the external of a building, mm-hmm. um, that's where their scope kind of ends. Yeah. And so the architect is meant to actually span both sides, be also an under, you know, also be able to do interiors. Yeah. But they might not necessarily do it well. Some do it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they actually understand how the building is put together as a, construct, as a constructed system. Mm-hmm. You know, architecture is about systems as yeah. well. Yeah. And then when you get further beyond that, it's about how does architecture sit within the city mm-hmm. and how does the city work? Right? Yeah. So there's a whole kind of spectrum. Yeah. You know, it's a very yeah. complex spectrum of scales, right? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I just kind of got into interior architecture, which again, I was really grateful for already. Mm. Um, but architecture and interior actually shared the same unit in the first year at Curtin. Mm-hmm. And we actually went to the same classes that the architecture students went yeah. to. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, for me, I actually always wanted to do it. I loved it. It's mm. kind of what I lived and breathed. And so when I first, the, literally the first couple of days of arriving in Curtin mm. and doing, you know, what's essentially interior architecture, but mm. architecture as well in the mm. first year, 
I really thrived. It just, you know, I just drew my energy off it. Yeah. And I did really well. I got like HD plus yeah. plus in my first project. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a big difference to what I was getting back in high school. Yeah. You know, like this is really my thing. Mm-hmm. So then I just just asked to change the architecture and there was no problems at all. And they were yeah. able to cater for that, right? Easily. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So as an engineer, design, the word design means a little bit, sorry, let me rephrase. The word design has a lot of different meanings depending on which industry you're in and what career you're in. So as an engineer, when I think of design, I think of, I guess, conforming to the standards, Mm -hmm. the Australian standards or whatever standards you work in. Sure, sure. So what does design actually mean? That's a really good question, Colin, because, you know, Yes, whereas design within engineering is about conforming to standards mm-hmm. and conforming to the codes, yeah. design in architecture, or should I take a more philosophical approach of architecture, is actually about the, the people, the cities, and the kind of the other drivers. Yeah. Right? It's actually compliance is absolutely got to be done. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got to comply to things. But at the same time, certain things like planning codes, which also have compliance factor, maybe could be challenged yeah. because those are codes that are more generalistic over mm. certain elements. Whereas design of buildings and architecture in space is much more bespoke. It's got yeah. to respond to the site. It's got to respond to the people. Mm-hmm. So actually those are more important drivers within design. Mm-hmm. And it's about picking up on the nuances of the site, the nuances of the people and the brief that you've been given yeah. and actually creatively coming to a response that is a design response that basically embeds all of those or pulls all those things together. It's able to cohesively give value to all of those things. Ah, okay. So it's actually really public focused. It's really people focused. Yeah. It's really behavior focused. Mm-hmm. It's about emotions. It's about delight. Yep. It's about moments of, you know, kind of wonder. It's mm-hmm. about history. Yep. So it's actually diving into all of those other things. Yeah. Yes, it's got to be a compliant building at the end of the day. It's got to be safe. Mm-hmm. It's got to be pragmatic and functional and, you know, have longevity. It's yep. got to be sustainable. Yeah. Um, but architecture in terms of the design, like what architects, um, are des- main kind of, I guess, I guess you could say the value that they bring mm-hmm. is about designing for all those other things, the more intangible things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that explanation. It explains a lot, actually. And, and it's different for projects, right? Yeah. You know, a small, you can apply it to small projects and mm-hmm. big projects, but a small, you know, kind of pop-up shop. Yeah. An architect has been tasked with the small pop-up shop. Mm-hmm. will actually apply, you know, how is it going to be experienced when you first arrive at the door and actually touch the material. Yeah. And actually, what, what is the, what's the sense of light, right? When mm-hmm. you come in, that kind of changes the mood of, you know, when yeah. you walk in. And then you compare that to a major city mm-hmm. scale project or a, Metronet station, for yeah. instance. What is that experience yeah. again? But you're thinking about the same thing. You're thinking about people first. Mm-hmm. It's about the colors that you see. It's about the things that um, delight you and appease your senses. Mm-hmm. So it's very sensory. Yeah. 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 So that's why um, you get the architects who pull out the color, you know, color pencils, and mm. they kind of, you know, because there's feeling. There's feeling that got to go in there. Yeah. You know, otherwise, if buildings were all designed to compliance and um, the codes, you. Mm. You could get some very boring buildings. Yeah, yeah, not aesthetically pleasing. Hey? Well, Whereas aesthetic is just aesthetics is just one part of yeah. you know all of those attributes. It's obviously got to be aesthetically pleasing. Even yeah. if it was just aesthetically pleasing and compliant, yeah. does it re- like you have to question it? Does it actually delight delight yeah. you? Does yeah. it actually uh, it could it could need to provoke you, yeah. or it could need to give you a sense of calm? Mm. 
how does it actually shape how wow. you feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we would hope to, mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. So has there ever been, I guess, a situation where a client comes to you, gives you this proposal and says, look, I want this, 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 this to look like this or give me something like this, right? Um, and then you come back and hit back with like, oh, I don't think this is feasible. I don't think this is what you should do. Here's a recommendation. How do you go? Absolutely. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Like the client, the client, the client's important. Yeah. And the client's vision is important. Mm-hmm. The, it's also very important to listen to the client. Yeah. But at the same time, they come to you because you're the expert. Yeah. And so they might have some initial ideas mm-hmm. and they might have some initial images or they might have an initial brief or a vision. Yeah. They share that vision with you mm-hmm. and you work with those. You work with them. You, you, you form a partnership with them. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, there's certain ideas that they know that needs to be validated. Yeah. You're there to validate it for them. And so therefore, you, you know, with your years of experience as an architect or mm-hmm. your kind of years of, uh, you know, uh, I guess, kind of uh, studies as well you know as an architecture student yeah. basically you know you're there to help them mediate that and understand that and bring clarity to that mm-hmm. so the idea of sketching on, on paper yeah. is the first moment of actually bringing clarity to any idea wow right so yeah. that's what it is so the idea the architects all the time coming oh, it's like, they're describing what they want mm-hmm. and you actually just start sketching in front of them and that's what really amazes them when you start doing that they actually start to see it come yeah. to fruition and they go yeah. yes that's what I want yeah. or no that's not what I want you're right it's not what I want you're yeah. like yeah you ask some questions is this yeah. what you want yeah. you know are you sure this is what you want because mm. you might know that that's not what they're mm-hmm. looking for and sometimes how we structure our presentations is we'll actually structure it by starting off with their vision mm-hmm. And there'll be also a part of, you know, the vision that we want to bring to it as well. And making sure that they they kind of, you know, there's there's, there's a relationship between what we want to bring to it and the sites and actually bringing their vision into fruition. Yeah. um, Strengthening their vision as well. And so therefore, as you present the presentation, it's almost like a movie. You're almost kind of presenting it like a narrative. Mm -hmm. So architectural narrative is a huge part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Because it's about how you actually unveil the story of how this building appears or how this building you know kind of unfolds yeah and you show you take on the journey of the design process mm-hmm. so you say look we had these two options you gave us these images and then we thought you know we did a bit of research and we thought maybe this is the look and feel that you want mm-hmm. but here's two options that actually deal with this which one do you think yes is, is really good and they'll ask they'll sometimes they go oh i like that one you know there's some clear little journeys in the yeah. in, in through the presentation where you actually help them make a decision or you mm-hmm. allow them to make a decision with options yeah. and they might ask you for your preferred mm-hmm. right you might have a preferred in mind but sometimes the client doesn't always choose the preferred one yeah yeah so and that's you know that's and that's okay so as long as you give them the options that yeah. are your recommendations so, exactly so as as architects we're not there to tell them that they're going to go with this and that's it mm-hmm. right and sometimes some designers are very good at leading them along the way mm-hmm. but if you're good enough to lead them and influence them you can actually allow them to select the option that you wanted as well yeah and generally if you're a good architect it's actually the option that is is actually you know hits all their points as well so yeah there's a narrative to the Mm -hmm. storytelling that we tell the clients as we're taking through them presentations that's a whole part of our job as well yeah And, and that's not just one client it could be a group of clients it could be the public engagement it could be a number of stakeholders but it's always the same in terms of how we do our presentations it's presented in the narrative yeah wow thank you for that if there are any architecture students listening in right now do you have any advice for them 
there's um i mean uh, you know advice for architecture students is that architecture you know there's there's always going to be a lot of adversity and um parts where you feel disappointed or parts where you feel it's such a challenge mm-hmm. you know when you come out of uni i'm talking about when you enter the practice you know mm-hmm. there's things that you're experiencing for a new time mm-hmm. uh, for for you know for the first time um and that for me you know one of the key lessons that i learned was patience yeah so actually having some patience around projects not going ahead yeah and, and why is that the case mm-hmm. um having resilience building resilience uh, about you know why um clients didn't you know, choose to go the way that, you know, you thought that they were going to go. Yeah. It's all part of the learning experience and, and that's really important. But at the same time, just be really engaged with the technical abilities, your own technical abilities. Understand what your studio needs or what your practice needs mm-hmm. and learn those technical abilities so that you could, you know, you can basically perform and be at your best. Have a good attitude. Don't be afraid to mm-hmm. give design suggestions during a design crit. Yeah. We love it when graduates come in and we're having a design review and there's a young graduate who gives it great great idea we got that's a fantastic idea we're going to adopt that taking initiative to do that is Mm. extremely important Mm -hmm. and everyone should foster that so yeah i think you know patience having patience yeah um having perseverance and resilience Mm -hmm. and having a really you know kind of positive attitude um you know because it is a collaborative process Mm -hmm. not one you know not necessarily one person's going to say not everyone's got the right answer yeah come with your ideas have really great ideas and bring them in don't be afraid to hold them back mm-hmm. all those things yeah oh well thanks i'm sure they'd really appreciate that does woods baggett have i guess a graduate program is there anything you can yep we do yeah we do and it's the first year we're running it this year oh wow nice. so you've, you've asked at a good time colin because yeah. last year we didn't have a mandated graduate program yeah um, so it's basically Woods Baggett's Australia Studios mm-hmm. and our global, you know, like San Francisco Studios and New York Studios, they have their own, they have another, you know, as part of their, their regions. Yeah. Our, our one's tailored to Australia. Yeah. So it's, it's basically a, our national internship program. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every studio basically selects two or three interns for the year mm-hmm. and the graduates come in. They are graduates. They've graduated or are graduating, mm-hmm. uh, basically follow the criteria for registration as part yeah. of a framework yeah right? so we basically buddy them up mm-hmm. and uh we have a mentor as well and they basically run through um as, like the uh 18 months it's 18 months yeah and they'll work on you know a project in the early design phase they work on a project in the design development phase mm-hmm. and they work on a project on site or in the kind of nearing the end end phases um, mm-hmm. So they get a really full breadth of experience, which wow. is great. And it's actually all being given as a framework that mm-hmm. follows the um, accreditation, you know, for registration. Oh, yeah. So it's really great. good. Yeah. yeah. So how can someone apply for that? Is that just online? Yeah. So we, we do a call for it um, every year. Yeah. Yeah. And basically it, it's on our website. It will definitely get put out in social media. Yeah. And at the same time, those who have connections with unis will also send it out to university so yeah. I, I did it last year with Curtin University I mm. sent it out to a lot of our contacts at Curtin University and mm. they we got a lot of response yeah yeah and it's submitted um, it's a portfolio that's submitted online through our website um, but the links all there yeah okay so this happens cool. every year thanks yeah. and and the intake is there is there a certain start date but the applications are there open at one day close at another there's a period for yeah, it there's a like period. a year-long 
open no it, it is it's a period there's a period for it yeah yeah so the exact dates you know um i'll have to get back to you on yeah, yeah, yeah but fine. um yeah. but it's generally you know kind of towards the end of the year um and we make the selection so last year was um, around november december mm-hmm. and then basically we made a selection in you know by by feb this year and yeah. we had new starters in feb so oh, nice. yeah cool thank you well i'll be honest um before meeting with you today and learning more about architecture my view of architecture was literally just i guess drawing and providing beautiful buildings in the city so thank you very much for uh, meeting me today and giving us an insight on your journey and also giving everyone who's listening more information and awareness of what an what architecture is and what an architecture does our pleasure's all mine colin really enjoyed it i think you had some really awesome questions as well thank you (laughs) thanks (laughs)